Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the New Books Network. When I was a boy, I used to, uh, I used to read all about Edison and the Wright brothers, Mr. Ford. They were, they were my heroes. Rags to riches, that's not just the name of a book. That's what this country was all about. We invented the free enterprise system where anybody, no matter who he was, where he came from, what class he belonged to, if he came up with a better idea about anything, there's no limit to how far he could go. I grew up a generation too late, I guess, because now the way the system works, the, the loner, the dreamer, the crackpot who comes up with some crazy idea that everybody laughs at, that later turns out to revolutionize the world, he's squashed from above before he even gets his head out of the water because the bureaucrats, they'd rather kill a new idea than let it rock the boat. If Benjamin Franklin were alive today, he'd be thrown in jail for sailing a kite without a license. It's true. Hi everybody, I'm Dan. And I'm Tim. So welcome to 15 Minute Film Fanatics, the podcast where two lifelong friends and film fanatics watch movies separately and talk about them on the show for the first time. So Tim is a big, a big friend of the pod. He's been on it before and he's here now because Mike just had a baby. So Tim's here uh, while Mike is on paternity leave. We want to give a shout out to Mike and say congratulations. Congratulations to Mike and I hope I can uh, fill his shoes uh, temporarily. I'm sure you will. So what we're doing is we're going to do a two-part series here with the theme is that these are two movies that Tim has been trying to get me to see for decades that just out of like recalcitrance or just laziness, I just never got around to it. And it would come up every couple of years. Did you see this yet? Did you see this yet? So the first of this mo- these movies is, what movie are we doing today, Tim? Tucker, the man in his dream. We're doing Tucker, the man in his dream. Now, this movie, like the other movie we're going to do, also stars Mako. That is correct. Yeah, so that's a little teaser for next week's episode. So the first movie we're going to do is Tucker, the Man in His Dream, 1988, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, of course, written by David David Seidler and Arnold Schulman. Um, Tim has been defending this movie and all things 80s Coppola for years. And when I asked him to come on, he said, okay, we're doing Tucker. This is it. You're doing Tucker. So I finally got around to seeing it. I thought it was terrific, but I'm going to start with you, Tim. In part one, we talk about our overall take. Tim, what is it about this movie that makes you recommend it to people? It's a, a genuine crowd pleaser. It's as genuine a crowd pleaser as uh, you are likely to find. It's a, a, a the story of Preston Tucker, who uh, created a new ca- a car called the Tucker Torpedo in Ypsilanti, Michigan, back in the 1940s. And uh, 
the company didn't quite uh, take off as the movie explores for for lots of reasons. But to this day, Jay Leno owns a Tucker Torpedo, keeps it up. It was ahead of its day in many ways. And um, this is a movie that it, it didn't find its audience, as they say, back yeah. in the 80s. But it was genuinely like, you know, I saw it in the movie theater. Everybody in the theater loved it. And uh, it it gets you behind uh, the stories. Uh, Jeff Bridges plays Preston Tucker. And um, I believe, you know, ex exhibit uh, E or F or G of uh, why Francis Ford Coppola continued to make really good movies into the 80s, while uh, back then the political climate was he's had it, he's all washed up, Apocalypse Now was this white elephant and everything since has been downhill you can even find i read a um a book called a cinema of loneliness by the critic robert Kolker. and the one i the edition i had was like from the early 90s and i guess it was a study of a bunch of people spielberg arthur penn of all people coppola was one of them and by the 90s he had dropped coppola out of that pantheon said he was no the, his subsequent movies had been such a disappointment I want to say these disappointments include Peggy Sue Got Married, a genuine moneymaker, a big hit, as was The Outsiders, another big hit. He made uh, Rumblefish, which is one of my favorite movies, definitely an acquired taste, but an art film for teenagers. He was really trying and uh, making interesting stuff. The Cotton Club is another really, really fun movie. And uh, I think Coppola continued to do well. And it, and he continues to work, right? He's got a movie coming up. Yeah, so it's funny because you said it's a crowd pleaser and it certainly is because I loved it. But it's, it's funny, it's a crowd pleaser about a crowd pleaser who couldn't please the crowd when it came out in 1988. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it has this consciously old-timey style where yeah. it's telling you the story as if you're getting it off newsreels and there'll be, you know, this, this sort of screen wipes via a wall with two people talking on the phone and things like that. It's, it's really done in this classic style and yeah he's a master of it right there's who can do it the way he can i loved all that so that was my if i give my overall take on the movie for seeing it for the show i loved it it was a, it was a portrait of the artist as a car designer and that's what the whole movie's about like it, i love how it starts as a newsreel right like it reminds you of citizen kane when you get the fake newsreel but then the whole movie is like that like the whole movie is one big commercial for this guy He's what he reminded me of what um, William Wordsworth called the happy warrior. He has a poem called the happy warrior. And that's that's what like you keep waiting to find out his dark side. But he doesn't. He has like a couple parts where he throws stuff like Jimmy Stewart and it's a wonderful life. Right. He's not a drunk. He doesn't like have an affair with somebody. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. That, yeah. It's interesting. And, you know, I think the movie it, it's it's Hollywood. I think it's probably like in the middle of the continuum for how well it sticks to the known facts of, of history. But uh, yeah, and it, I mean, Jeff Bridges is like, you know, I mean, first of all, he's never been more handsome, right? You look at Jeff Bridges, man, I, I can't believe anybody looks like this. And uh, he's just never been more charismatic. I mean, he's really, he's fun through the whole movie, you root for him. Uh, and, you know, as you may know, Tucker uh, Corporation is not around today and not putting out EVs. So, you know, the story doesn't really go his way, right? but you, you know, he... But he fights the tide, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. watching Young Mr. Lincoln by John Ford. Like, you already know how it ends, but Henry Fonda doesn't. <laughs> right, right. I, lo I love what you said about he was never so handsome because you may know this, you may not know this, but do you know who the original 
I, who was who was Coppola's original choice when he first started thinking of this movie? Who did he want to play Preston Tucker? Well, if he wanted him to look like Preston Tucker, it probably would have been like Bruno Kirby or, Pre, or maybe Frederick Forrest. Nope, it was Marlon Brando. He wanted Brando to play Tucker. Well, wow. Can you imagine that? <laughs> okay. You know what? By the 90s, like you would uh, you would get the parish bulletin at St. Peter and Paul's Church in San Francisco, and there would be a thing like Francis Cooks for North Beach. And I'd be like, wow, this is what Coppola is up to these days, like doing a, a fundraiser for, just for people in San Francisco. And, uh, you know, he no, he was still making really yeah. good stuff. And another reason to support him is he was standing up for Brando till the end till the he end always supported Brando till the end so before we go to part two I just want to I want to get your reaction to this what I loved about it was you know it's another good guy versus the suits movie like Ford versus Ferrari which we've done on the show which we love right um it's like Mr. Smith goes to Washington I thought if Coppola had a time machine he would have totally said all right get me Jimmy Stewart like I'm getting Jimmy Stewart to play Preston Tucker and the other vibe I got from it and then this blew my mind was that the whole time I'm watching it like you mentioned all the wipes and like when they're on the talking on the phone like with and you could see both right. of them through the wall is that it it, it felt like a musical like i, I kept it, it, at any moment they could break into song right yeah like yeah martin, martin landau should have a song called like i caught your dreams right when the tuckerettes come out that should be the like a showstopper yeah, what, I, yeah. what i learned was it was originally conceived as a musical. I just happened to read that this morning, looking up some fun facts about the movie. And eventually, like they started right, they had Betty Condolph and, and Betty Con and Adolph Green and Leonard Bernstein. They all got together for a week at Coppola's house. Wow. And uh, eventually, though, they dropped it and just did it straight. And so what made me think that was that, you know, like I said, the movie wants you to get caught up in Tucker's like joie de vie. And, and like we know it's not gonna end well. But we, but we admire him for for beating the odds of history, like in trying that, and that's a good, that's an old movie trope that I think we all respond to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and by the way, one of the suits who's putting him down is a an uncooperative Michigan senator played by none other than Jeff Bridges, his dad. dad. Yeah. <laughs> what would Freud say about that? Welcome to part two, where we discuss a key scene or favorite move, moment in the movie. Dan, what was yours? So mine is when Martin Landau tells him he can't be involved anymore. He's got to leave and resign because he's ashamed of what happened when he went to jail for bank fraud. And he tells him that story and he says, his mother, used to, my mother used to say to me, don't get too close to people or you'll catch their dreams. And he really, she was really trying to say, you'll catch their germs, but it comes out, you'll catch their dreams. And that runs the risk of being a little sentimental. Um, but I think it works in this movie because that's what the movie's about. The movie's all about catching Preston Tucker's dreams and getting caught up in his enthusiasm. And I thought to myself, well, this movie isn't just about car makers, right? It's about like it's about the enthusiasm of something you love. And it reminded me of like teachers we loved. Because like they got us caught up, we caught their dreams, right? Like you didn't care about Shakespeare or Samuel Johnson or something. And then you have a teacher that, and that teacher gets you to catch their dreams. Um, it reminded me of like what podcasting is about, right? Like we're doing this right now because we really like this movie and we want to talk about it. And you want to like share your enthusiasm with other people. I mean, um, you and I, this is kind of funny, you and I will out of the blue, unsolicited, mail each other books, just, just unasked for yeah. We just, we just mail each other books. Like, so why would you do that? It's because like, you're trying to get someone else to catch your, to catch your dreams and to get caught up in your enthusiasm. And I think the movie, like Coppola wants that to happen, like with his viewers. And I think that's what, that's the, that's the key line of the movie for me. 
Yeah, yeah. It's um, and, you know, there are certain folks who actually can do that. There's the famous reality distortion field around right. Steve, Jobs. Steve Jobs. Right. And uh, it, 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 he he clearly is that type of person who can, you know, kind of motivate you. Yeah. Um, mine is uh, a, a scene that you alluded to a little bit in the first part, which is um, at one point, Tucker has a, a bad moment. He's hunched over trying to get, you know, the, the gasket to fit onto the valve or whatever it is on the, the prototype car that he's building with all of his guys. He, he has like an extended family of, uh, uh, you know, ne'er-do-well mechanics and so forth working on the car with him. And, uh, you know, that's not working. He's this finds out he's being investigated by the Senate. He's getting sued. Martin Landau's in legal trouble, all this sort of thing. And somebody comes in with some new bad news and he does lose it. He blows up and throws something across the garage. And then he turns back around and all in one take, turns back to the camera and you can see him put the smile back on his face. He turns like he's, he's you know, ready to grab. And then he turns, he like looks around everybody and just perks up. You see the smile come back on to, you know, it's Jeff Bridges million dollar smile. <laughs> and you just feel like this is what this guy's going through. Like that, right. you know, what he just what we just saw is what's going on inside and that's what's reality right. and he is there saying like i'm going to keep the smile on because if we do make it it's because of the smile that's what leadership is is that it's not to draw people into your own misery and your frustrations because you can't inspire anybody that way exactly right right and, and we live in a world now where i think people are invited to like to like uh commiserate and look for oh my i'm so i'm so traumatized the world is so rough and uh, don't you feel sorry for me but like president tucker wasn't about to tweet about his miseries he that's what he was about was about the million that's how you build cars it's the million dollar smile yeah yeah i mean a little bit it, it, this will all be explained in the movie but he had invented a, a pretty interesting armored car for the army yeah. during the war he and the torpedo had among other things there was a center headlight that would react to your turning the wheel and turn so that you know you would light up the intersection as you're going around i don't know if that would have made any difference to your car i'm always curious i always feel like hey, i wish i had that on the car right now while i'm driving at night see what it's like uh i think you know it had seat belts that's that's right. addressed in the movie too because the suits of course don't want seat belts to make them more evil because yeah don't, right, right. Want... It, it creates the impression that the automobile is unsafe <laughs> right so uh, uh yeah so uh, you know it, it for all these reasons all of this makes it you know it has the right combination interesting story the right people telling the story in the right way what did you make of, there's a part where he's walking through uh, like a, some hallway somewhere and they have posters up of Edison. And of course, there's one of there's one of Nikolai Tesla. And it's impossible to watch this now in 2024 and not think of Elon Musk building cars. I know. Yeah, it's uh, very strange. I mean, <laughs> you know, they, I always say nothing in movies happens accidentally. Like they actually used a compressor to make sure that Marion Crane's car would bob for a second in the bog before right. sinking just so that you would be on edge when indiana jones is running from the 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 peruvians and uh he's got the dust coming off right. him you know that that's not that's planned too right. but that's something that you have to say well it, it's really an unplanned yeah easter egg in this movie now that we have seen somebody who's like tucker and in a much more of a niche market that we don't know whether it has a future but he has managed to do you know to stay alive 
challenging the big three, which as you'll learn from this movie is not so easy. So welcome back. In part three, we always talk about the title, which seems kind of self-explanatory or the ending or what we make of it or the big takeaways of the movie. So Tim, what do you got about the ending? Uh, well, I was actually going to talk about the title. Go ahead. Um, the Man and His Dream. We're not just talking about Tucker. The The political environment I described from the 80s when when Coppola was considered a, 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 a has-been or an embarrassment in Hollywood that was already well established by the time this movie came out and you kind of can't get around reading this movie as as a, a, an allegory for Coppola's struggles against the Hollywood machine right and I, you know and I think it's a, it is important to see it that way it's it doesn't affect your watching of the movie or anything like that um you know it's interesting to note that the aviators in many ways covers sub, a lot of the same kind of thematic territory of this movie and Howard Hughes figures into this movie yeah. as well. And you uh, love the aviator. You love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love the aviator. I was uh, a skeptic of the aviator at first, but it has very much grown on me over time. But, um, and uh, so, you know, it, that is a way to think about it. And I, I want to say again, Coppola, even into the 21st century, well, I don't know what it, this thing is he's got coming out, but he continues to make these movies that, even if you don't like him, you have to say these are genuine art films. He is trying to do something with movies still. Um, and so my hat's off to Francis. The thing you said about his dream, that reminds me of what I kept thinking as I watched this was I kept thinking about how we take him for granted. We just, you know, he's always been around. He's like a great director, right? And um, I kept thinking like, what drew him to this story, right? So he he started thinking about this in the early seventies. He wasn't like, this is before Apocalypse Now. He's already thinking about this. But I kept thinking to myself, well, what drew him to this story? Like, and there's like little things like, you know, his his dad, Carmine was one of the original investors. Like there's little like tiny fun things like that. But to, to undertake a whole movie about, about a, a car designer and a company that goes nowhere where they only make, you know, 50 cars, to, to prove a court case or, you know, to, right. to prove that he can do it. Like what drew him to that? And that's the thing that kept coming back to me. And that's kind of like, it's like artistic integrity. And that's what you were just talking about. Like the guy didn't make Godfather four, you know, or, or, you know, he could have done a million other things like that, but he didn't. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, when we say crowd pleaser, we don't mean a, a, like a Hollywood sellout movie. Right. We mean it's like, a you know, it is an actual movie that has, a, you know, wants to interact with an audience the way yes. the movie's supposed to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, 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 it's funny that it, he conceived it that early. But, you know, I guess throughout his career, he has been a guy, you know, to look to for this kind of thing. Because uh, if you ever say, so I don't know where you'll find it, maybe on the commentary track for Patton or something like that. But he wrote the opening scene with Patton in front of the flag giving the speech. And the studio thought it was too weird. It was like right. abstract and all this kind of thing. And his he didn't even know Patton had been made into a movie until they they gave it to Zoe Trope to edit. And he was seeing the, the footage <laughs> of it that he realized they had made his script. And uh, he says, you know, something to keep in mind if you're starting out. The things you get fired for are often the things they give you awards for. 
<laughs> well, that's also like, you know, the story I'm sure you heard this is that he, when he, after he made the Godfather, of course, everyone in the world wanted at Hollywood wanted him to make Godfather two, which of course is great. But do you remember his condition? Do you know what he said? Uh, he said, I'll make Godfather two on one condition. Do you know what it was? Surprise me. You have to let me make the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, that's yeah. why that's, and of course they were like, fine, make your little, your little, whatever, you know, right. Nixonian paranoia movie about, which of course is a brilliant, brilliant movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you like people are right now, something just dropped on Netflix, like last night that rips off the conversation. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Right. But it's funny that he was like, yeah, I'll do Godfather too. But so he's always been interested in, in like telling these stories that he finds interesting. Like that's what, that's, what's so cool about what you just said is that he's like Preston Tucker. And sometimes you get caught up in his excitement and sometimes audiences don't, but he's going to keep trying to build the cars. So speaking of his enthusiasm, my, my big takeaway about the ending was uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said once, and I always use this uh, in my classes. He said, Nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. The real famous line, right? Nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. So I think what's cool about that applied to this movie is it, it, asked, it asks you, well, what did Tucker achieve? So, so what did he achieve? Was that like, you know, he, 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 at least he, at least I tried. Yeah. The big three got me, you know, the, the, my, the, the Senator Ferguson kept me down, but you know what? Like at, at least I tried. Uh, well, he got acquitted. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Yeah. So he, he wins the court case, but he loses the company. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, he kept trying, right? Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, so, and he so died they... six years after that happened. So yeah, it, yeah. I just think it's funny that making this, I think that Coppola making this movie was a total Preston Tucker move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I, I, you keep keep the, the it's, uh, you know, the, the fight is what matters. Um, and hold that tiger. Hold that tiger. So thanks for listening, everybody. And great pick, Tim. If you'd like to follow us on X, speaking of uh, Tesla, you can follow us at 15MINFilm. You can also follow us on Letterboxd. Let us know what we should watch next. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Hold that tiger.